We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com BE. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies EdTech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com slash B-E. Welcome to Transformative Principle, where I help you stop putting out fires and start leading. I'm your host, Jethro Jones. You can follow me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. All right, everybody, welcome to Transformative Principle, a proud member of the B Podcast Network. I'm so excited to have Rod J. Nakan on the program today. And I say Rod J. Nakan because you are going to want to follow him on any social media, and that is how he is known on social media. Rod, welcome to Transformative Principle. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Jethro. I'm happy to be here. Hey, uh, why don't... Why don't you start by introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about you and who you are? Certainly, yeah. I'm a, a former high school English language arts teacher here in the wonderful state of Louisiana, uh, born and raised. Uh, after high school teaching, I did school leadership uh, and I coordinated professional learning, staff development, new teacher orientation um, across the state of Louisiana. Nowadays, I lead professional learning teams in a variety of contexts across the country, and I'm also a doctoral student of dialogue and knowledge in educational leadership. Man, that sounds super nerdy and super awesome. I'm pretty <laughs> excited uh, to dig in here. And I do also have to uh, mention that we we were going to record this as part of the Summer of AI series. I'm going to add it to that anyway, even though that is now over. But I think it's going to be good information for, for this to be part of. So... Uh, what is your big takeaway from this conversation today that uh, the people should definitely look for as they're as they're talking or listening to the show? 
I think that there's a, a lot out there about generative AI and there's a lot of amazing things that can help our uh, personal and professional uh, workflows. But I think the major thing I hope folks take away today is how you can utilize these new technologies to enhance and almost electrify your own reading and learning in a way that you can't even uh, imagine. And once you open it up, you're not going to want to turn back. Yeah, uh, definitely. I think that that is a really great thing to take away. The other thing that I would add is that we we talk about some strategies, but I don't want people to get bogged down in the strategies. I want you to think bigger picture about how you can use these tools in your own life to do better with whatever it is that you're trying to do. And And to me, this is the real beauty of using tools like this is that they're flexible enough that you can apply them to whatever it is that you're trying to do. We're going to talk a lot about academic research and things like that, but you can use this for whatever it is that you have in front of you that you need that you need support with. And I think that that's the real key to using any of these AI tools. Um, anything else you want to add to that, Rod? Well, I love how you said that, right? So I'm, I became an evangelical for LLMs, and I turned my wife on into it, and and she's just like uses it with uh, surveys, recipes, uh, all figuring out what's going on with the Britney Spears book, all kind of different things. <laughs> you can you you can use it in any kind of context. I promise you. <laughs> yeah, that is beautiful. Okay, uh, we're gonna get to my interview with Rod here in just a moment. Thanks so much for listening to Transformative Principle on the B Podcast Network. If you've been listening to Transformative Principle for any amount of time, you know that I have a love-hate relationship with EdTech. We have the ability to personalize learning for every single one of our students, and yet so many of our EdTech tools fall short. We need our technology to do more for us. That's why it's so important for me to know that IXL provides true personalized learning across the entire pre-K-12 curriculum and that it's proven to benefit all student populations, including English language learners and students in special ed programs. As a principal, I've used this in my school. As a parent, I've had my children use it as well. And let me tell you, this is a tool that definitely helps students learn and practice better. IXL is research proven to accelerate achievement. Studies across 45 states show that IXL schools outperform non-IXL schools on state assessments, and independent research from Johns Hopkins University verifies that IXL meets ESSA Tier 1 standards. With those results combined with IXL's teacher-friendly reputation, what more could you ask for? Now, you also know that I don't care so much about test scores, but I know that they are legislatively convenient and something that we have to deal with and manage on a day-to-day basis. If you can implement something that is easy and effective, why wouldn't you do it? If you have a goal to increase achievement for all students, make sure to find out what IXL can do for you. Visit IXL.com B for a demo. That's IXL.com B-E. All right, Rod. So let's talk about the thing that I'm really interested in digging into you to with you today is this idea of conversing with alternate texts using AI. And uh, so why don't you start by just telling us a little bit about how you're doing that already and and what you're seeing with it? 
Well, let, let, let me explain it this way, and this is how I've, I've tried to explain it to some folks thus far, is like uh, an image, imagine an image on a touch screen or on, on your phone, on a tablet, whatever it is, and you have like, say, a, a picture or a map or a diagram, and you're trying to zoom in on it, or you're zooming out on it. And one thing that a, a chatbot can really do is, uh, this is my process typically, is find a text that I, w I would like to read more closely. Hey, what is this? Ask the chatbot to tell me what it is. It'll produce a summary for it. Uh, and then I can grab part of that and zoom in. So I can say, hey, can you tell me more about this part, uh, this portion on student dialogue or this portion on whatever it is that, that's inside that text itself. And I can like zoom in on it. It's almost like I'm going into the file itself and saying, just give me a huge version of what this part is. And then I can zoom in and I can zoom back out in a way. Uh, it, it, it adds this like variability to it's like a close read assistant that I can prompt in different ways uh, to, to, to zoom in on parts of a text or to zoom out or to reformulate or, or, or re-examine it from a different perspective. Oh, man. I, so that's very cool. So there is a problem with uh, AI hallucinating and making things up. Are you seeing that that's an issue when it has a source text to reference or does that get minimized? It, it gets minimized. And I like that you asked that question because uh, I think that's kind of where, why I ended up with uh, thinking about text as like a, a, a third, a repository of knowledge, right? So one, one thing that we, we talk a lot about with LLMs, LLMs and emergence technology is what the training data has trained that language model and like what the language model itself knows. What I've, uh, what I've come to really appreciate is, and, and I can have a little, uh, I've, a little bit more reliability and validity to a, a LLM's response when I'm using that model to be like a docent or to invent, I'm giving it something to look at closely. In other words, I'm not just asking it for its knowledge and its training data about Bakhtin and dialogue. I'm asking it to leverage its training of uh, within language and dialogue and to access a particular text and to produce something from that text. So I'm not going to say all hallucination is gone when you use it in this manner. Of course not. But uh, and I've, I've cross-referenced this dozens of times, and I invite folks always to cross-reference everything they're doing with, with uh, generative AI. Uh, but when you focus an LLM's attention on a particular text, I've found that the reliability goes through the roof. In other words, I'm not just relying on the not knowledge of the model itself. I'm bringing the, knowledge's, uh, the model's knowledge to bear on a particular resource. Okay, so that, that makes it different because you're not just using those skills to answer any question. And, and this is something that I find so fascinating. As I've been doing these, uh, these trainings over the past few weeks about artificial intelligence, I found that when somebody is just checking out uh, artificial intelligence to begin with, they're like, wow, this is really cool. It's amazing. It can do all this stuff. But then when they try to get it to do a specific task, then the shortcomings really shine through and they're like, oh, it can't do X, Y, or Z. And therefore it's not as cool as I thought. And, and I think that that's a really valuable thing to understand because <clears throat> if you just are like, hey, give me a summary of this book from 1953 or whatever, and it can do it, then you're like, wow, that's amazing. But then when you try to get it to do something really specific, that's where I've seen that it falls through and becomes less effective and less uh, meaningful. And what you're saying is when you give it these specific texts to work through, then it takes a different approach and it, it can really unleash the power of it. Is that a fair way to explain that? 
I think that's a fair description. And what I found with my own use, I've been uh, using language models for almost a year now, I suppose, is that I'm, I'm, nowadays I'm mostly, if not all the time, referring to a source when I'm using a chatbot. So if I'm trying to investigate what happened in the Champions League, I'm finding a source around that and I'm using a bot to access that material. It's not altogether unlike what uh, Bing can do or other things that are connected to the internet. It's it's very similar to a language model that's querying a, or, or empowered to do kind of a web search. Uh, but what what I've found is, is that... Uh, there's a, a lot of risk and kind of inv- uh, it's sometimes it's difficult to spot hallucination, right? If you just ask the chatbot to tell you Chinese history, that uh, one of the things chatbots do really well is, is create like a comprehensive response that gives you a sense of its validity. Uh, but what I've really been doing is in, in, in always thinking about a third party, right? So it's myself, the language model, and what is the resource that we're examining? Uh, and so if I do it that way, I can triangulate kind of meaning in a, in a more meaningful way rather than relying on what is the training repository of the language model that I'm using. Yeah. Okay. That, that's really good. So give me a couple examples of where you've, where you've used this, where you've been like, oh, that's where this is amazing. Let's do it. Well, there's a there's a paper that came out maybe a month or so ago. It's called uh, "Navigating the Jagged uh, Tech Technological Frontier." It came from a group of researchers at Harvard Business School, and they're looking at language models. And uh, I've I've seen these papers in the past because of my line of work, right? So, edu- uh, papers, uh, scientific scholarly literature, twenty thirty pages, diagrams, charts, all this complex stuff, which I've definitely spent my time with. I'm not trying to say we can't get anything from a complex source like that. But if I run into this this research, somebody's chatting about it in the edgesphere somewhere, I can take this and put it in a language model and say, what is this? And it gives me a uh, a summary of it. And then I can zoom in. So that particular paper is talking about uh, like the frontier of things that language models or AI can do and how it's, it's, uh, it's not straightforward. There are some things that language models can do pretty well and some things that are right across a threshold that are, are kind of challenging, but it's not a straight line. It's kind of a jagged area, uh, and and I can zoom into that paper itself and find out things about uh, about what is meant by that jagged frontier. What are some tasks that fall on one side or the other, and, and dissect that in a more meaningful way. I can zoom into it because I have that model there, allowing me like it's almost like it, like you said, having a conversation. So once I oh this is what it's all about. Tell me more about this portion of the paper or this portion of the paper or how. AI can be an assistant or uh, a reading uh, go-to summarizer or whatever those those utilizations are. Yeah, I like that. Um, so uh, one of the so I'm in a doctoral program and I have to read a lot of text and I've used AI to help summarize some things. I've used uh, Readwise Readwise a lot for that for a different reason that makes it incredibly powerful that I'll talk about in a second. Um, how have you used this and how would you suggest others use it if they are in a doctoral program? Because one of the, before I finish that question, one of the things that I've been telling people is you shouldn't use it to circumvent the learning process or bypass the learning process. You should use it to enhance the learning process. And what you've described so far sounds like it is enhancing it because it's helping you isolate the things that are important from the readings. And we all know that we sometimes have readings that are more than is actually necessary, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> so tell us about that and how how it's helped you in that regard, not to circumvent the learning process, but to enhance it. 
Uh, I think there's a book that came out earlier this year. It's like a- AI for the rest of us. And the language they use in that in that book is augmentation, right? And I truly cannot imagine going back to a, a moment when I did not have my reading augmented by a language model. And uh, how does that play into like ed, ed leadership and ed scholarship? Uh, the the some, Sometimes we'll see an abstract or we'll see uh, uh, a scholarly article's title and think that maybe it has to do with what we're investigating. So I'm really pas- passionate about dialogue and, uh, and conversation and how that plays out in school buildings. So there's plenty of titles that might pique my interest. Now, I'm not getting uh, from that title nor from the abstract oftentimes like uh, enough about how the research is designed or the theoretical bases or some of the design elements that may be a little bit more specific, especially if if I'm in the context of an ed scholarship or ed leadership or a doctoral program where I'm, I'm being tasked with looking at like research design, uh, different methodologies, like the specifics of the case of the investigation. Uh, So what I found is, is that I have a folder in one of my emails. It's like 4,000 emails of recommended research. And I'd never been able to get to that. Now, when I get like Science Direct, it's like, hey, here's some research you might be into. I can click into one of those. I can uh, use a language model to summarize that and see if it, how close it is to my research, my uh, my scholarly interests, and how it, it like whether or not I want to investigate it any further. Whereas previous to that, I'm just bookmarking them all. I don't. It's hard for me to tell them apart because they kind of have a similar title. And then maybe I'll sit and highlight with them, and maybe if I print them out and put them in a place, I'll notice. Them and actually, you know, uh, but it's expedited kind of that process. It allows me to go right into it if I have less than five to see whether or not it's really worth a, a more powerful and thorough investigation. Yeah. Okay. I, I like that. Um, so what I use is, uh, I mentioned Readwise, and, and here's the process that I go through. I get a required reading and I put it into uh, Readwise, and then Readwise has this ability to summarize the uh the whole the whole thing first using chat gpt5 which is like what you're talking about except that it brings it in uh to the program itself now whether they are using um claude or or open ai's program or whatever it is uh, i think they're probably going to be working on adapting that to be most beneficial in the background but the thing is is that it it allows that to happen um, pretty seamlessly within the program itself. And then as I read through it, then I can go through and uh, and I can ask it questions and things like that. But more importantly to me is I can highlight the things that I'm interested in and then I can uh, add notes to that as well. Then they get synced automatically to the tool that I use called Obsidian, uh, which is where I keep track of all my writing and all the things that I that I collect over time uh, so that I can have those in a central repository. So it's really easy to uh, cut and paste and I can see where it is in the document. And one of the things that I'm, uh, well, first, do you have any uh, thoughts on that process and anything to add or something I might be missing out on? Well, I haven't, I haven't really used Readwise itself. Uh, So what you're saying, if I understand correctly, is like while you're reading, while you're in a text, whatever kind of text it is that you're like naming, annotating, like saying, Hey, this is an important piece or adding comments or remarks, note taking, so to speak. And it's keeping, it's rolling that all up together. And then you're able to kind of query it, kind of have a, a, a dialogue sort of with 
uh, um, texts that are in your archive and or notes or highlights, things that you've marked as uh, worthy of revisiting. Is that a fair description? Yes, uh, except I don't do as much with the, the things that I've already noted. So there's there's a difference. And maybe it'll be easier if I if I show it. So if you're listening to this, um, I will I will extract out this part so you can go watch and see what I'm doing. Um, so here is here. It, you can see this now, right, Rod? Right. OK, so here is this uh, summary over here, which was generated by ChatGPT. Uh, it says this document discusses the impact of leisure time television. The author notes about, in fact, the television effects school achievement is not challenged. Research efforts, blah, 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 right? Gotcha. So what I can do up here is this is called Ghost Reader, which is like what you're talking about, is I can do different things that are built into it, like summarizing it, asking it a question, generating Q&A pairs based on my highlights. What are the things that you would be asking here uh, in your process, what are some of the questions that you do to like zoom in on things? No, that's a great question. I think the uh, the uh, let me let me see let me see if I can pull up uh, a recent example sure. from like my never-ending chain of uh, <laughs> of yeah. summaries uh, that I use. And uh, let's see. Um, sometimes I'm and you're welcome to screen share also if you want, Rod, and then we gotcha. can see how that goes. So here's an example. Look, I'll show you on my end. There was something that came across my network. Let me see if I can figure out how to share share this window. There we go. That looks like it's working. I think that's showing up, right? So something that I came across maybe in the last two or three days, and it was a... Um, some tweets about this technology called Pegasus, which is, I think, this emergent training uh, software that that uh, the the goal of it is for it to be able to understand a video, so to speak, or, uh, or provided. Um, uh, it, it's like it's trained on video content, so to speak. So I wanted to know about it. So I went to their website. This is their website, and then I came in here and I said, "Hey, summarize this." And then here I come with this uh, summary, and it responds. This is Claude to 100k by the way it gives me this response uh and rolls up pr pretty much everything that was in this big text and rolls it up into a little summary um this one i didn't have a follow-up question here's another one um something some some journalism i think it was published either this morning or yesterday about schooling and learning um all i asked it was to describe and summarize this post produces a little bit of a summary right here uh i wonder if it still has this in context so i can i can show you a little bit more about this how about this so let's Another thing I think is important for folks to, to understand is the context piece. Uh, so one of the reasons why I'm drawn to Claude is because it has a large context. And you're not using Anthropic's interface for this. You're using Poe, for example, which yes. there are lots of different ways to access the different types of backend engines for these things. And so, you know, you can you can use something like Poe. Uh, which is a interface for it. You can use something like School AI, which is one that I recommend, and you can use ChatGPT's uh, OpenAI.com uh, things itself. Uh, there are lots of different ways to do it, and uh, and there's just lots of options. So we just want to be clear about that. Yeah, 
Yeah, uh, and one of the reasons why I think uh, I, I really kind of stuck with Poe is because very early on I wanted to use GPT-4, and I, I, I mean, I had a couple shots on Poe, and then all of a sudden Poe started putting up all these other bots that I didn't know about, and I could try them out. They would appear on the side of my screen, so just being part of that ecosystem where things are emerging and new tools are emerging has been really helpful for me to be able to see that. That's why I found out about Claude's 100K token window, which I think is really important, and, and all I mean is by that is that it can take a large volume of text and for a text uh, dependent kind of guy like me that's really fascinating but to your original question right so now I have this text in uh, in this language model it has it in this context so to speak right so if I look at these uh, these uh, uh, bullets here I see that there was a study in North Carolina so what I can do is say hey tell me a lot more about the North Carolina study so to your question like there, there aren't as there aren't as uh, generic the questions that I'm Thinking about, oftentimes, it's really, like, dependent upon the text itself. So, I learned up here that the study in North Carolina found that easing high school uh, grading standards led to a big increase in GPAs initially. However, students with lower income test, uh, incoming test scores saw no GPS, GPA increase. So, if I want to zoom in on that portion of the article, I can just ask, hey, tell me more about that study. What does it say about that study? Uh, and then I can see a lot more detail in the first year under a new easier grading scale. The number of A's increased by almost 20%, etc., etc. If I wanted to cross-reference that just to check if my bat, bot was doing some hallucinating, um, I think it actually changed my URL right quick. But uh, let's see if I can grab that. Just to check it. It's going to be on here anywhere. Let's see. I wonder if it's going to tell me about 20%. Just like the, the double, triple check stuff. Yeah. I I love how you're doing this, by the way. Uh, if you can't see what Rod's doing, I apologize. But what it basically, what he's doing is he's just searching for the word 20 uh, in the text so that he can see. Um, because that's, you know, just grabbing a chunk to find the spot in the document explaining what what he's looking for. And, and this is like one of those little ninja things that people don't always uh, think about, but there's a lot of power in knowing how to find this specific thing within the text. Uh, so go ahead, Rod. Well, yeah, and I think it's great that you lifted that up, right? Because I've been thinking about the... Uh, what these new tools can do, uh, affording us an opportunity to have a conversation with a text, so to speak, like as if the text was alive, or at least it's like a docent between me and a text. It's like allowing it and a conversation. Uh, but I do think like to lift up what you just said, many of us have used some features of text search, like a control F, right? We've used te tech uh, to make sense of things. And I think you and I have connected on this before, like a code interpreter, right? So in many ways, what I'm showing you right now or talking to you about with text is not altogether different from what Code Interpreter can do with a CSV file. In other words, you're using an LLM tool to access a file and ask questions of it, reorganize it, ask if the data is organized, what's going on in there. Uh, it's it's an, an intermediary between you and a source. This one is just, imagine it's a text file. And like we know how to query text files. We have 20, 25 plus years of PCs and otherwise. A lot of us know control Fs. Imagine if instead of just a control F, you could say, where did it say something about North Carolina? What was the percentage that it quoted? Like, what was it saying about dialogue or whatever it is? Like, those are the kind of 
tool ways you can query a text using a language model uh and and that's why like i, I don't want to surrender and just go back to control f you know like if i can have these rich conversations with a text uh like i, I can't imagine stepping back to that it is, it's just like really empowered me as a reader as a learner and I think you mentioned earlier in our conversation, right? That one of the reasons I've, I've been using tech my whole life since I was a kid in middle school, et cetera, when HTML was coming to life, I wanted to know what would if if I was a high school kid right now, what would I be doing? Like, what would I be asking it to do? What can it produce, right? And that helps me as an educator to understand like what is out there and to think through uh, uh, like what the power can be. Uh, rather than to kind of dismiss it or keep it cloistered in a different area, right? So uh, that's kind of what's brought me to this point. Yeah, and I think the the thing that we that we see is that some people are afraid or nervous to play around and experiment and see what's possible with these tools, and are waiting for people to tell them this is what you can do. So how how do you feel comfortable experimenting and playing yourself? without waiting for someone to say, this is what you need to do next? Well, like I said a little while ago, I think it's just part of my personality, right? So uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a curious and creative person. Before I came to teaching, I was doing creative work and, uh, and, and at the intersection of a variety of things. Some of it is language, some of it is technology, some of it is teaching and learning, but primarily I'm a learner, right? So you give me a new tool, I'm gonna try to learn how to use it and I'll probably try to figure out how to break it, right? And that's what happened with uh, the first times I was using LLM. So I was like, well, you can break it by sending it too much text, right? And that is not a new experience for a person like me who's tried to use t tools with too much text and found tools to say, hey, we can't do that. Like, that's too, you're giving me too much stuff. Uh, so it, it, I guess it's just like an in, ingrained, intrinsic part of my personality uh, that has come into life there. But I've seen, like, to return to that, right? So as an educator, it's an amazing thing to be around learning. And the reason why I'm, I'm in education is because I love learning things. And why would I turn away from this tool that is, like, wildly accelerating my learning in a way that I cannot even comprehend. And and that's where I'm at. So if I have that knowledge, then it helps me think about how these tools are going to occur in institutions of learning, in schooling institutions, in K-12, in, uh, um, in, in college environments. Like, what does it look like? Because I, I wanted to be able to appraise with some kind of good faith the learning power of these tools in order to see how it would fit in a landscape of education. Uh, because that's because I'm fascinated with learning because I have a, t a techie background and because like how there's got to be a way like this feels so amazing and I'm learning stuff how can I impart that to other folks and that's kind of how I became evangelical about having conversations with techs through LLMs. <laughs> Let's talk about flex time in schools. If you've been listening for a long time, you know how important I think this is. It gives us more time for personalized learning increasing choice and agency for students, and the increased enrollment that comes with it, dedicated time for intervention and enrichment. And overall, as school leaders, it gives us and our faculty more tools to increase academic achievement. But the implementation and management of flex time can be so tough. Tricky logistics and a lack of clear accountability systems can prevent teachers from buying in and can hold us back from ensuring students make good use of their time. I'm pleased to share that MyFlex Learning provides a solution to these challenges and more. MyFlex Learning helps you create and manage flexible time for any purpose. And with seamless SIS integration, a student locator, flexible daily rostering, and an intuitive mobile app, it eliminates the common challenges of implementation and management. Want to see for yourself? 
Visit myflexlearning.com slash B to learn more about it and receive $500 off the first year of use. That's myflexlearning.com slash B-E. Yeah, well, I, I like that a lot because it gives you um, it gives you more ideas about what you can do, what's possible when you're just in there playing around and trying to figure things out. So, so I think that that's good. So let's talk specifically about uh, one of the things I've been saying a lot is that we shouldn't be circumventing learning. How does this enhance your learning? I think you've already hinted on it, but I want you to be really explicit and direct about how this is making you a better learner using these tools like this. Well, I think the the biggest thing that I would name at the front end is just like the, it ex- extends the volume of things that I'm able to attend to. So whereas before I'd have to, uh, to, to, to try to be as intentional as I can to prioritize what I'm reading, what I'm like sitting and reading, what am I listening to, what am I highlighting, what am I annotating. I have to manage my time very intentionally and make some choices about what I'm going to spend time with and what I'm going to spend less time with, with without necessarily having a full appraisal of the sources that are at hand. Whereas now I can be even more intentional with what I'm choosing to zoom into. So... Uh, so, for example, my area of research is leadership talk, how leaders talk to one another. There's all kinds of stuff about leadership out there in the literature. There's different approaches, different frameworks, different conceptual frameworks, uh, uh, different isms, X, Y, Z. It's all over the place. So if I was really going to go by title or a few search terms or even keywords named by researchers or, or even uh, abstracts, I, I'm not getting uh, as much – I can – I can examine, I can be a lot more intentional which sources I'm going to look at more closely in this way. So now I've zoomed back into um, some research around pedagogically productive talk that I found really fascinating because I can triangulate and I'm not just like going in every direction. What I found at the beginning of a dissertation process is when folks ask you to find a gap in the research and in, in all this kind of stuff, I'm just like lost. I can go in every direction. It's hard for me to discern that landscape. Part of that takes a lot of time. I know that what we do a lot of reading, we do a lot of uh, 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 research and networking and all these kind of things, but it's accelerated my learning because it, it allows me to be more selective about what I more closely read. I actually find myself reading more scholarly research because I have a tool that tell that helps me understand I'm going to get more from it. In other words, I was like, it was a disincentive if I had five papers that were printed and I started the first couple pages of one of them and it didn't seem to be on target with what my uh, what my research was about. So that really is critical to me, if that makes sense. Yeah. Oh, this is this is huge because I I feel the same way about my experience in this in this arena, in that when I am when I am being intentional about what I'm reading, and I know that this thing is going to answer my questions or this thing is going to help me solve this problem, I pay closer attention and I read it more deeply. Now, here's the power. We know that there are all kinds of things, strategies, and tools that we use and that we teach kids to use to help them understand a text better. And this this AI tool is an example of something that can help us understand the text better so that we can really come in not with um, 
not with a totally clean slate and not knowing anything about it, but having an idea of what it's saying, what we're trying to get out of it and what, how we can use it for ourselves later. And I think that that's a really powerful place to come at this from, that this is just another way to help give us uh, tools to understand the text better. Also, if we do the summary and see that there's nothing of value in there for what we're doing, then we can just totally bypass it and not worry about it. And like, okay, I'm glad I didn't spend an hour and a half reading that 90 page paper because I don't actually need anything from here. Or maybe I only needed this one section and I don't really need the rest. What are your thoughts on that? That's it. That's it right there. That's it summarized, right? So I've found like uh, in the past, like I mentioned this a while ago, sometimes a title and folks trying to write a title that's going to grab you, right? And trying to get an an abstract that'll get you and kind of tell you some of the things, but uh, like not necessarily tell you all the details. So I've, I've found papers that were on like teacher discourse and I zoomed into it and I found like, you know, kind of the sample was a little bit different than what I thought it would, or was making some claims about discourse in a classroom, but it was from a, uh, post-secondary environment or whatever it was. It just like, it would reveal something about the paper that either was really compelling. Like I need to go into this paper and figure out what's going on or saying like great paper, just not oriented to what I'm researching right now, so I don't need to spend a lot of time with it. And I've found that, like, science direct will uh, send me, here's some stuff that you're probably interested in. And uh, sure enough, the titles, are I'm interested in them, but when I click into them, if I start to investigate the papers themselves, sometimes I'll find that, oh, this one warrants, like, a couple more reads, right? This one warrants me, like, really getting it in a model and, like, asking some intentional questions about it. Or this one's like, well, you know, not necessarily my aligned with my research, not necessarily going to contribute to what I'm trying to design or what I'm investigating right now, it really kind of helps with that sorting piece. Whereas before, I'm just like, you know, I have a spreadsheet. These are all my sources. Here, if I can earmark like a category, maybe, uh, you know, and, and it just is it's so big that you kind of get lost in the little pieces and parts of it. Uh, I, it, it could just, the, the ability to zoom in and zoom back out in a moment, and that's kind of why I've, I've landed on talking about it that way, is, is what helps me so much in the scholarly, because like, so, uh, you got 20 pages, like, I need to know what it all is, then I need to know if there's little parts that I can use, then I, maybe none of it is helpful for me at this moment, great paper, but not helpful for me right now, and I can do that now, whereas before, it's just like, maybe all of these are important, I'll go through them one day, yeah, you know? Yep, totally, and, and that is... One of the real challenges that we face is that there is so much content out there. We need to know how to use our time wisely and, and be effective and productive with the time that we do have. Um, so you've mentioned Science Direct a couple of times, so I'm just going to shift the conversation a little bit because a lot of times this podcast is you know pretty selfish for me to learn things. And so uh, tell me about Science Direct and other places where you're getting your uh, your research as you're doing your dissertation and moving in that direction. Yeah, great question. Um, I'm not sure why I started with Science Direct to be honest, but I know that they're really intentional with my email address and they send to my uh, my school account. I got one. Let's see, it was three days ago. Hey, here's some personalized recommendations based on your latest sign in. Uh, so it knows that I'm interested in knowledge building, teacher PL, technical skills. Uh, discursive negotiations, critical discourse analysis. It knows pretty good. Uh, mostly I'm operating on Google Scholar, to be completely frank with you. And I'm using my uh, my university's uh, uh, library to access materials that are not as readily available through the open web. 
Uh, but uh, I, I like these recommendations that are sent here. I get them from all over the place. I mean, like um, a million newsletters, you know, and like I'm following the Edu Conversation on a couple different platforms pretty readily every moment of every day. So uh, it's, uh, it, but that's how I connect with resources, right? And like even as simple as, I mean, we have two little girls that live in this house with us and I don't have a lot of time to deal with, with research. I really, I just don't have time. I'm, I'm loving my family and otherwise, but I find myself when we're settling in and, like watching a TV show, I can use my little telephone to interrogate a PDF while I'm hanging out with my family uh, in 20 minutes, you know, and decide if tomorrow I'm going to spend some time to dissect the source a little bit more. So Science Direct sends me stuff. I know a lot of different uh, Elsevier. I think is uh, uh, I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce it. Uh, there's there's quite a few places nowadays. There's like a boom of of tech and research tools. Uh, and uh, quite a few of them do a pretty good job of helping you ma- uh, navigate uh, 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 myriad sources. I think Elicit's one of them. Uh, Site is another one. Uh, uh, but I find that one of the reasons why I like using, I know there's a lot of tools out there that can kind of do pieces and parts and build in functionality of summaries and looping all your research together. I like the autonomy of working with the source and working with the model directly. Uh, so that's why I kind of live through I try to find as much as I can through Scholar, and if I can't find it there, I'm interlibrary loaning through my university, to be honest with you, so I can have the PDF itself and uh, and go from there. Yeah, awesome. Very good. Well, I mean, this has been a, a good conversation here. Um, I appreciate your time and, and your experience with this, and I'm going to use this a little bit more for myself to figure out uh, what this looks like for me. And... Um, if people want to connect with you further on this, where should they reach out to you, Rod? So I'm all over uh, the uh, the internet. My handle on everything is Rod, R-O-D-J, Nakan. That's N-A-Q-U-I-N. That's on Twitter. It's on Substack. That's on Instagram, Threads, Blue Sky, everywhere that you would look for me. It's Rod J. Nakan. Uh, I actually have a relatively recent blog on my Substack where I'm talking about uh, what does it mean to have a dialogue with a text. Uh, and, and you can follow my thinking there. Uh, my thinking is really kind of an intersection of, of dialogue and educational leadership or how do we know what we know in educational institutions and how does that come to life through our conversations. So that's why when LLMs came up, it was like, well, I mean, it's kind of an intersection of a lot of my interests here. But, yeah, you, you can find me on Rod J. Nakan pretty much anywhere online. Okay, perfect. Well, uh, appreciate your time, and this has been an awesome conversation. Thanks for joining me on Transformative Principle. Yes, sir. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much, Jethro. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. 
Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com BE.